Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Beautiful Community. As the image of the Trinity, the church is called to be the beautiful community of unity and diversity. And everything we need to accomplish this has been given to us by God so that we might overflow with blessing for others. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. That we're going to take a look today at Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. The text is going to be on the screen for everybody here. Uh, I'll be using the uh, New International Version this morning. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, and we're going to be looking at the beautiful community, unity, and how we are called to uh, express God's beauty through our unity. Ephesians 4, hear the word of our living God. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Uh, if you're a little older here, many of us can remember when President Reagan stood at the wall in Berlin and he said the famous words, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And I actually remember, I was at Donnie and Myrtle's house one evening. I don't even remember why we were over there. But we were watching on TV as the Berlin Wall was literally coming down. We were watching it be brought down. And having just, you know, not been out of the Marine Corps very long, that was a day I thought I was never going to see. I mean, I had assumed, quite honestly, I assumed we were going to go to war with Russia eventually and I was going to be called into conflict is what we really thought was going to happen. And so to watch the wall come down was unbelievable. And the joy of the people in Germany, that Germany was no longer going to be East Germany and West Germany, they were going to be united. And everyone felt like when that wall came down, it was done. And then if you followed the situation over the next couple of years, you realized it was not done. It was one thing to tear the wall down, it was another thing to reunite East Germany and West Germany back into one nation. It was one thing for the Iron Curtain to crumble. It was another thing for Europe to start coming back together instead of having a huge Iron Curtain running through it to be one continent together and then start working towards the European Union and all that. I bring this up because, as we saw last week, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that Christ has broken down the wall. He did that. He broke it down, and in fact, he has made one new people, which is the church. But building the beautiful community that is full of unity is still hard work. The wall's down, but that doesn't mean all of the work is accomplished, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So we begin by looking at the fact that the source and example of our unity— not only the example, but the actual source of our unity is the Trinity itself. Now notice in our passage, 
in Ephesians chapter 4, it's very easy. You don't have to go to Bible school. This is one of these easy passages. As I was reading it, you can't help but notice what's the word that Paul uses over and over and over again. One. In fact, if you count it, he uses the word one seven times. And if you've read much in the Bible, you know that seven's one of those numbers that the authors like to use. It recurs over and over again because it speaks of perfection. It speaks of a completion. And so Paul here in doing this, these are not the only ways we're one, but he's wanting us to understand we have been given perfect unity in Jesus Christ. So it's seven different times, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. All of this is there because Paul is saying, I want you to understand the essential unity of the faith. There are not many churches of Jesus Christ. There is one church. We don't have different hopes. We have one hope. There are not many different versions of the faith. There is ultimately one faith. Uh, We share in one baptism into Jesus Christ. We all worship the one true God. And so before we talk about anything else, we need to understand that because of Christ's reconciling work that we looked at last week, there is a unity among all Christians. We are one church because what unites us is far greater than anything that could possibly divide. And this is really an amazing thing. We, we sang the song, the second song that we sang this morning, you know, what we believe. That's based on the Apostles' Creed. Do you be- realize Christians across time, across cultures, different languages, things that would make it impossible for us to even have a conversation, they have stood up and looked at those words and said, I believe that. That's what I'll give my life for. That's the faith I hold to. Friends, that is a deep, deep unity. We might have existed under different forms of government. We might have looked different. We have different cultural expressions. We believe in different economic systems. But this is a thing that unites all of us. But it's also important to understand that Paul is telling us the source and the example of our unity is the Trinity. So notice in this passage, we can read through these very quickly and sometimes miss that the entire structure is about the Trinity. But notice Paul says there is one Spirit, there is one Lord, which in the book of Ephesians, Lord is referring to Jesus the Son, and then there is one God and Father, Spirit Lord Jesus and God the Father. This is the Trinity, and it underlies the entire call for unity. As we saw last week, creation is Trinitarian, reconciliation is Trinitarian, and Paul is now telling us that the unity you experience in the church is also a Trinitarian unity. And this is very, very important for us to understand, not just as a bit of arcane theology, but rather because the call for unity, the call is a call for unity, not uniformity. It is a Trinitarian unity. The Trinity is one God, eternally existent in three persons, three individuals who have a relationship with one another, who are distinct from one another. And this is our understanding of unity. It is unity and diversity, not uniformity. 
So the call for unity is not that we would all look the same or think the same or have the same background or experiences. That's actually not the unity that the Scripture's calling us to. And that's actually, it's pretty easy if I just have people who are just like me. And, and if you all would just agree that I'm right about everything, this unity thing would be pretty easy, correct? That's actually a good plan. We can talk about that later. But, no, see, that's not the way the church is. So we could look at many passages. We could go back to Ephesians 2, and Paul says Jew and Gentile. But there's many places he does this. For example, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is here mentioning all of the breakdowns in ancient society. Actually, pious Jewish males stood up every day and said, I thank you, I'm a Jew not a Gentile. I thank you I am a male, not a female, and I thank you that I am free and not a slave. And Paul said, not even those things are as important as being one in Christ Jesus. Whatever tribe, we looked back a couple weeks ago, I brought this up, there is one human race, but there are many, the Greek word is ethnos or ethne, there are many ethnic groups, there are many tribes. And Paul says the call to the church is not, I get with my tribe, you get with your tribe, and we just with people that we're like. Paul says, no, you are called together. Because whatever tribe you are pales in importance next to the fact that you are the tribe of Jesus Christ. You are called in Christ. That is central. And so whatever other background there is, whatever other differences, they must never eclipse our unity in Christ. But this isn't even just a general, well, that's the Trinity, and so we think that way. Notice how Paul continues in this passage. It's the very thing that he's leading to, which is that the church is not all the same. In Ephesians 4, 7 to 16, he's talking about gifts that are given to the church. And he begins and ends it this way. This is the bookends. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then in verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul begins with the idea of grace or gifts. Again, the Greek word for gift, which we oftentimes use charismata or uh, charismatic is what, what the word we get from that. Charismata is built on the Greek word for grace, charis. And Paul is saying, look, each of you, the way God's grace works in your life is different. It doesn't look exactly the same. So you're not going to have uniformity because God is giving grace to each of you differently. You were different when you came in. When you came in, you experienced grace differently. It works itself out in different gifts. And Paul concludes in verse 16 by saying, don't you understand, this is how the body builds itself up. The body isn't healthy if everything does the same part, the same work. It's only healthy if there are many different parts that are all united in the purpose of being healthy and alive and expressing that life. That's the only way the body can actually grow and become strong. Not because we all have the same gift, but because in fact we all have different gifts. So if you want to think of it in this way, uniformity is a sign of a sickly body. Not a healthy body. A healthy body exists when people are actually 
different from one another, where there are differences in gifts, differences in the tribe that we have come from, differences in our experiences, that's what actually makes the body strong. Now, we're going to look at this more next week, actually, this idea of uh, diversity and the diversity of gifts. Is we'll, we'll look at 1 Corinthians 12 because it's a point that Paul brings up over and over and over again. But for today, realize that because the Trinity is not only the example but also the source of our, the unity for the church, we are called to a beautiful unity that is comprised of diverse people and gifts all united in the one true faith, serving one another, building the church, reaching the world. So it will never be uniformity. That's not even what we strive for. So I mentioned in, you know, in the last couple of weeks, there have been whole philosophies of how the church should grow that said you build a uniform congregation. Get everybody that has the same background, same education, same experiences, they're out of the same bolt of cloth. They're, they're the people that would normally hang with one another. You go for them and you build that church. And what I'm saying is that's the exact opposite of what the Trinity is. And it's the exact opposite of what the Trinity calls us to. It's the exact opposite of the actual life that flows from the Trinity to us. It's actually building not unity, but uniformity. And we're never called to uniformity in the Scripture, anywhere. That's not even a call. Unity is a big call, but uniformity is never once called for. In fact, it would be undermined. Now, this is what's given to us in Jesus Christ. You may be different than me. We may be different from one another. We are given this unity in the Spirit. Notice in Ephesians 4, 3, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. You and I are not called to create unity. Only God, the Holy Spirit, can create unity. But here's the good news. He gives it to every Christian when you come to Christ. When you are born again, when I am born again, and the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, there is automatically a unity between me and every other believer in Jesus Christ. Whatever that background is, whatever's going on, and it's the gift that God gives to every single local congregation. We've been given this. It's not the accomplishment of human beings. It's the gift of God to his people. So that means unity is the default position for believers. But here's the bad news. Disunity is always, always, always the result of sin. It is always the result of me desiring or prioritizing other loyalties, other beliefs over the gospel and over the unity of the Spirit. See, it's, it's easier if I just think, well, unity, you know, it's something we've had to work toward and we didn't get it. No, our default place already was unity. When I'm not experiencing it, that's a sign that I've degraded from the gift I was given. And it's because ultimately I'm finding my identity in something other than Christ. And I'm making that identity, which is important. We all have things that shape us. But I'm making that have priority over what it means to be in Jesus Christ. And the scripture is clear, that is not true. So therefore, even though we're given unity in the spirit, 
Paul sees no problem in saying, but you have to work to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Notice there in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. He actually uses a couple of words that are for work there in the Greek. He's trying to hammer home the point, this is going to take labor and work. God gave it to you as a gift. You didn't create it. The Holy Spirit created it, but you must work, and you must work hard, and you must do whatever work is necessary to maintain that unity. If I can put it back in the analogy of the wall, what Paul is saying is, is Jesus broke the wall down. Sin's trying to convince you to start building the wall back up. Don't do that. Make every effort to when you see those blocks starting to build back up, kick them back over. Don't let that build up. Don't let that get in there. Because sin will always be working to undermine the unity we've been given and to bring disunity and alienation into our relationships within a local church and between one local church and another. Sin is always working. Whatever the Trinity is working to accomplish, you can bet Satan and sin are working to accomplish the opposite. And so if God is trying to build a beautiful community of unity, sin and Satan want an ugly isolation and disunity. That is what they are after. And friends, the second you and I leave here, in fact, it's probably even going on right now as I'm just speaking, sin's going to be rearing its ugly head. But what about this? And how do I do that? And then this thing, if they just wouldn't do that. But see, that is the very thing we are called where Paul's saying, work, make every effort to maintain it. And just like I said last week with reconciliation, let me say the same thing here. Maintaining the unity of the Spirit will always require hard work and sacrifice. Okay, always hard work. There is no such thing as easy or inexpensive unity. That's why we see so little of it. That's why we see uniformity that is little silos of uniformity that do not work with one another because unity is hard work and we're all lazy. I would rather just to be easy. I just want my place where I can come and everybody's like me. And you can have that as long as you don't mind doing things that God doesn't want you doing. And as long as you don't mind missing what the Spirit is actually doing. And the second idea is it requires sacrifice. We saw last week reconciliation came about with the most expensive sacrifice in human history when God sacrificed his son to bring about reconciliation. Unity will cost. At the end of it, when we've achieved unity, there's going to be scars there are going to be limps, and there are going to be things that I'm going to say, I actually liked it the way it was before unity was achieved. I like this little piece better the old way. If you don't have that, you haven't achieved unity. Unity always requires this. Now, we can think, I hadn't even thought of this, but just let me throw out an example. Anybody in here experienced this in marriage? Who in here has a marriage where you just do everything exactly the way you want? Okay, that's called getting a divorce. Because that's not the way marriage works. 
Marriage is always two people coming together. But the joy is when we embrace the fact that we are different. Once I have worked through it, even though there are ways that Brett and Linda are not what Brett would choose on his own, but there is a joy because there is so much more than Brett would be on his own. In my case, way, way more than Brett would be on his own because I would be very narrow, self-centered on my own. But God brings us together with somebody. So think of that. Any relationships in life, if they're going to be there, there is always the cost of unity is real, but the benefits far outweigh the cost. Now, interestingly, notice what Paul brings up is there are character requirements for unity. To maintain this unity of the Spirit requires character on our part. You, you can't write a check to purchase this. It requires character. So notice what Paul brings up in verses 1 to 3. He's, Paul in chapter 1 to 3 has laid out the gospel, and this is where he begins sanctification. Okay, He's talked about justification. He's now talking about sanctification. So he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And notice the very first things he says. Be completely humble, gentle, patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice these words here. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, love. All of these are terms that describe character traits. It's the way the Holy Spirit is wanting to work in me. And I want to tell you, this is not something that the guy writing this was not naturally humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another. The children's lesson this week is about the conversion of Paul. What was Paul like prior to the Holy Spirit getting a hold of him? If he didn't like what you did, he killed you. It's kind of the exact opposite of this. Don't miss the amazing fact that that's the man who wrote this passage. That's the result of the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying the Spirit's got to work on your character. There will be no unity apart from character. And the word bond of peace, it's, it's literally, it's chains of peace. It means I am willing to be chained. I am willing to be restricted in what I would like for the sake of peace. If in my relationships I don't ever hear the rattle of chains going on, I can be sure I'm trying to work for uniformity, not unity. I'm not laboring. I'm not putting forth the effort required for the unity of the Spirit because it requires bonds. It requires me sacrificing. All of these traits indicate a willingness to restrain my preferences, my desires, the natural inclinations that I have for the good of others and the sake of keeping unity. Now, I can tell you one way, and this is it. You know, Paul in one place says, look, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And he's talking about that he got whipped. If you're working for unity, you know where you'll have scars? Right here. Because you will have bitten your tongue so many times, and your mouth will be so full of blood at all the things you wanted to say. Okay? And if you talk for a living like I do, that is really a temptation. There are times I am in conversations and I am like, if I have to gnaw my tongue off one more time. But the question is, do I want to say what I'm wanting to say or do I care more about peace? 
Am I willing to go the extra mile to not offend my brother and sister, to understand the beliefs and experiences of other people, to be willing to sacrifice my personal rights and what I want for the good of others and to maintain the unity of the Spirit. See, there's, we live in a culture today where you just let fly and say whatever you want. And it may be, uh, another thing may be not just your tongue, it may be you cutting off the end of your fingers as you type things out on social media. Because let me tell you, that's bringing all kinds of disunity is what it is doing. It is causing all kinds of problems. Now, let me say, this does not mean we don't stand up for the truth or that we compromise God's word. There are things that the scripture says that are just very unpopular today. And I have to stand for those. But we need to be really careful to determine if something is truly essential core Christian belief. And this is the demarcation line between that which is Christian and that which is not. Or if this is something that is like my preferences, my thoughts, my ideas, some tertiary way that I think this is the best way to work this out in our culture at our time and place. So character is really necessary. And it is hard, hard work. If you live with a family, if you are a husband or wife, a parent of children, you know what I'm talking about. The character is hard. But Paul says it's absolutely mandatory if you're going to have unity. Now, we're going to be looking at some, some more at some of those traits in the coming weeks. So we'll talk more about it. Today I want to jump into applying the word. And the first thing is I want you to think about here in 2020, this is a particular challenge for us. We, we've had two major ones that if you were paying attention in our culture, you want to create a fight right now, walk into a crowd and spout your opinion about the coronavirus or about racial injustice. I will point out to you, 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 you will have a battle royal going on in your hands in a moment, very quick. And you may have strong feelings about those topics, and so may I, and you may even think others have ulterior motives if they disagree, because see, that's usually what I do is, well, the reason you think that is because, and can I point out to you, the scripture says you never have the right to do that, ever. You and I are not allowed to judge the motives of other people. We are allowed to judge actions that are observed not motives. And much of the disunity I see going on is because people are spending all their time judging each other's motives about why they think they believe something rather than trying to have honest conversation. Um, but I want you to think for a minute because this may seem really like, yeah, see, if Paul had been living here today, I, I think he'd have realized how unlikely this was. I want to point out, when you have Jews and Gentiles and you're trying to build a church with them, and you say, we're going to have a fellowship lunch just to build unity, and I walk out with pork medallions wrapped in bacon, we got a problem. Because here's my brother or sister that says, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. We, we don't eat that. Part of our holiness and our love for God is we, we don't eat that kind of a food. And I'm like, have you ever tasted bacon? See, this was, and it was not only that, it was, are you circumcised or are you not circumcised? It was a hundred different ways that things were expressed in culture. And it was a 
challenge. And there were those who would have said it'll be easier. Have a Jewish church, have a Gentile church. Now, we wouldn't do that in America. We might have a white church and a black church and a Hispanic church. See, that's not God's way. That's the easy way. God says, even if you're Jew and Gentile, how how about if you're slave and free? How, How challenging would that be? But that's exactly what went on in the New Testament church. It seemed to be insurmountable, but God asserted to us that none of that was as important as the unity of the Spirit. Go back, read Paul's letters and pay attention to how often he's working on this unity issue because they had the exact same problems we have. But Paul said, you were given this, don't give it up. Don't sacrifice it. Work. This is worth fighting for. That's the call that he gives to us. Now, what this means is, look, as as we've gone through and the elders have met to talk about how to respond to COVID-19 and when do we meet, how do we handle it, what are we going to do when we come in here? Are you all going to be wearing the masks that I see right now? Are we going to check? These are not easy decisions. And I'm not going to tell you that one day Jesus sent the angel Gabriel into our meeting. We had the Zoom session going, and suddenly there was another square. Not the way it is. We're seeking God. We're praying. We're talking. Could we be wrong? We could. We could have waited too long. Maybe we came back too early. Maybe we should have changed this rule or that none of which is nearly as important as walking in the unity of the Spirit. It's just simply not. And so what is more important to me? Hopefully, as you look at the racial injustice that's gone on, none of us think it was okay to watch a man's life be crushed out of him as his neck was compressed by another person's neck. Hopefully most of us say, okay, that, that, whatever else I think, that was wrong. That shouldn't be. But we may think differently, how do we address this moving forward? When we get down to specific policies, we may disagree. And what everybody in our culture wants to do is, well, you and I disagree, so I'm not talking to you anymore. I don't, I don't, friend you on social media. I go my own way. And Paul's saying you cannot do that. You may not do that. We have to labor together to hear from each other, to walk with each other. Is this hard? It's very hard. Is it going to require character? It's going to require a lot of character. But do we want to be the ugly community or the beautiful community? Because the beautiful community is built with true unity. And so these are really important things. And can I go ahead and just say, this is just a sidelight, please, please hear me as your friend and your pastor. Social media is pooled ignorance. That's what it is. It's a race to the depths of stupidity that nobody knew as of yesterday. And every day is a new depth of stupidity. If you're looking for wisdom out there, you might as well stick your head in a toilet and look for something good to eat. It's, it is the wrong place to be, guys. It's a complete waste. And yet, 
Christians get out and undermine the cause of Christ because, well, I don't like what they said, so I'm going to type in what I think. What's more important? The gospel, unity of the Spirit, or I make my point? See, my fingers ought to be sore from restraining them. I ought to have that taste of blood in my mouth because I'm holding my tongue. Are we doing that? Please hear me about that. Be very, very careful because you know what? You and I can have a personal conversation and disagree, and we're working through it over time. And you do it on social media, it's out there, and the whole world is watching. And it just gets divisive. And I can't state enough as I read it and watch it, and I read a fair amount of scholarly stuff, social media ain't it. It is just a cesspool of ignorance, okay? So some of you might even want, I know one of our brothers here has even cut back on it and cut out some accounts just because for the goodness for your own soul. It it may be good to do a detox from all that. So I want to say that all of these things are tough, but we have been given this and we need to work to do it. Now, that leads to the second question, because that's just a general thing. The question to you and I individually is, am I working hard to maintain the unity of the Spirit? Is this a priority in my life? It will be hard work. You may be sitting there saying, it'd just be easier if I just don't have to do this. And it would be. I will tell you, disunity or uniformity is far easier than beautiful Trinitarian unity. It's also far less beautiful, far less rewarding, far less fruitful for what God wants. And this is particularly hard in American culture. It's been hard since the garden. But we have many things in our culture. We have made an absolute idol of individual rights. I'm having a conversation with Scott. Scott may be right, but this is my right. I get to think the way I want to think. And that that sound you heard was the Holy Spirit whooshing away. That is not the way we live. That's the way America has been grooming you and me all of our lives. My rights. I have my right to do what I want. That is the exact opposite of the biblical call. The biblical call is sacrifice your rights for the good of others. We're going to look at that text in a couple of weeks. Scripture has this strong emphasis on community, the need for me to give up my rights for the good of others and the sake of unity. The other thing that Americans have done, most of us don't think through this. You know how we stayed together as a nation for the longest time? I'll go back and pick on Scott. We actually get along really well. So Scott and I don't agree. He's got more power and upper hand. I just pick up with my family and we move west. We just move and start another state. And we did that all the way, I might remind you, until 1958. And now, suddenly, there's nowhere else to move. So now, we actually have to stay and work this out. But that's not the way our culture works. And not only have we done that uh, uh, historically, think about how this has affected the church. Now, I know none of us have probably ever seen this, but let me tell you what research has shown. When Christians in local churches get in relational conflict, one of them just picks up and leaves the church and rolls to another church down the road who is all too happy just to take them in and say bad things about the other church. Now, y'all have probably never seen that in all your years. Does that not describe the American church? When I even as a pastor say I've been here for 26 years, you should see the looks. Is that possible? 
Yes, it's called work. Hard work to maintain the unity of the Spirit. But are we willing to do that? We so cater to individualism, and it's so seeped into the bones of the church, you got a problem, you just pick up and move on. That's what you do over anything, no matter how trivial it might be. So am I willing to do the hard work necessary to maintain the unity of the Spirit at BRCC? Here within the church. Am I growing in the character necessary to maintain the unity of the Spirit? And all of us need to keep growing in this. And I can say, like Paul, these were not the things that come naturally to me. Linda will tell you, when I was a young Christian, I was like, I'm going to be like James and John. Lord, should I call fire out of heaven to consume these people right now? And rarely was it over anything of real consequence, just I don't like what you're saying. Are, are we growing in character to be the way we are? And do I value my rights more than I value the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace? Am I willing to give up my rights for the good of others and for unity? Now, what we're going to do right now, we're going to play a video that was just put together by worship teams of various congregations here. And you're going to see them singing a song, Waymaker, together. Uh, you'll see Renee very early in the video, actually. And then at the end, you're actually going to see where churches have put aside differences and come together to serve those who are in need at our pop-up pantries. I want you to watch this and see this as a visible expression of unity. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to dismiss us with a blessing of unity so that we can go forth in peace. So let's watch this video, and then we'll be dismissed with a benediction. Father, we are so grateful that you are the way maker. Jesus, you came and opened access for us to the Father, tore down the bridge, the wall that was between us, one another. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of unity. Empower us to be one body, one church, glorifying you with one mouth. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. And we'll conclude with a word of benediction. And by the way, you'll be able to see that video out on our Facebook page and everything else. It's uh, just a great way of doing it and encourage you to uh, continue working for unity. Receive now the blessing of our God. May the God who gives uh, endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go forth blessed and unified and be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.